if you are a great athlete, a good student, it might get you into a great school. So use it as an opportunity to go there. Let's enjoy it all the way through because it does end. That was Dave Geeslin with Three Step Sports. He'll be our next guest on the Base Path Podcast. Welcome to the Base Path Podcast, brought to you by New England Baseball Journal. I'm Dan Guttenplan, along with co-host Matt Feld. As we begin, I want to acknowledge to our audience, my co-host Matt Feld works for the Nor'easter Runbirds, one of the New England travel ball programs owned by Three Step Sports. Today's guest is the founder and CEO of Three Step Sports, a company that oversees travel programs like the Show New England, the Nor'easters, Seacoast Pirates, New Hampshire Prospects, and the Bay Sox. Three Step also operates the Select Baseball League, and many of the New Balance tournaments at the New England Baseball Complex. Dave, thanks so much for joining the pod. Thanks for having me. We just put out our travel ball edition, and there was some pushback, it seemed like, from people in the in the baseball industry. It got in three-step. It even got caught in the crosshairs a little bit. What's it been like for you to kind of hear the the criticisms and what are the biggest misconceptions you think about three-step i'll try to be nice but i only saw one criticism and i really don't care what he thinks okay uh, people get too caught up in high school kids and playing in the fall and playing too much and all those different things <clears throat> i mean we do nine sports we had 3.2 million kids go through our events last year and 64 percent of them aren't even in high school yet Right. So everybody gets caught up in elite baseball and you're only going about college. Can we talk about club and AAU baseball, whatever you want to call it for 10s, 11s and 12s that want to play more than once a week in one practice from Little League? I mean, we want these kids, especially baseball in New England. We don't get that much time. So, hey, play Little League, play town ball, do all those different things. And if you want to play additional baseball, play club baseball, get a little more instruction, get different things. I mean, I got a son that played college baseball, he played Little League baseball, he played club baseball, he played both, he played three sports for a while, and two in high school. So we'll get all bent out of shape about too much, too many kids playing one sport or this or that. I just, most of the time, I ignore them because they're just looking for attention, the way I look at it. We don't get any pushback from parents, that's for sure. <laughs> David says the mission of Three Step is to be the standard of the youth sports experience and create consistency in the industry. Compared to when you started, how close do you feel like you are to accomplishing that mission? And what other avenues do you feel like you have to go to get to where you want to be in that aspect? Yeah, we're getting there. And that, that has nothing to do with instruction, right? So whether we own 10 baseball clubs, leagues, different things, sports, we're not telling everybody how to teach, how to throw a curveball, how to hit, run the bases, turn a double player. The, the consistency and the standard is scheduling, good facilities, registration, insurance, background checks. It's all the things that have nothing to do with what's going on in the field. Keep mom and dad happy because they have a lot of other things to do in their lives and run around and not know where they're going. So we want to set the standard that everybody's insured correctly. All the coaches are background checked. You know where the fields are. The fields happen. Umpires show up. Everybody gets uniforms. All that's the standard we want to create. I'm not trying to create a coaching standard or anything like that. I actually heard from a person who runs a league who said 
three, now that three steps involved, it's actually gotten cheaper for his players. How does it impact when you come in and you either get a tra- buy a travel program or oversee a facility? How does that impact prices for for the actual players and their parents? Well, it's it doesn't raise them, that's for sure. So think of it this way: is if you put together in anything two people versus a hundred people, you can buy better products for less money, which saves money. Right. You also can go out and go to sponsors and say, would you like to talk to these hundred people, which raises money. So everybody gets caught up in, in thinking that the only way you make money or save money is to raise prices and charge people too much. If you are solely dependent on a business upon charging the kids, you're not going to make it. We're looking for apparel business and savings and insurance and savings and background checks and sponsors. We're trying to drive revenue and savings in 10 different spots. One of the last places we look is to raise tuition. So you can ask any of our clubs or events we own in any of our sports, we've never gone in after 76 transactions said, okay, everybody raise your price. We're trying to be the model of efficiency that saves money in spots and makes money in other spots has nothing to do with tuition registration. That should stay the same. Dave, I feel like one aspect, and you know, I've talked about this, but that a lot of people miss from the outside, you touched on it earlier, is that a large share of the individuals that play club sports are between eight, nine, and 14. They're not the 15U plus kids. They're in that 12, 13, 14 U range. Can you speak to kind of your guys' growth in that respect across all sports that you oversee? And just touch on that misconception where, you know, I feel like everyone, when they think of club sports, all they think of is 15, 16, and 17-year-olds. And I think it starts with when everybody says youth sports, they think high school sports, right? So depending on who you believe, Aspen Sports Institute, SFI, FFS, all the different firms there's 99 million kids between the ages of 6 and 18 playing youth sports there's seven and a half million kids playing baseball right (laughs) let's not worry about high school and if you if you draw a pyramid and you say six-year-old is the base of the pyramid drives quickly to a point at 18 years old so how many kids are playing soccer or lacrosse or baseball or anything at the little league level and how many are playing on a varsity baseball team one tenth of one percent of that and going on to college from there so from a business standpoint but just where our customer base is our biggest customer base in all sports is below 14 years old because it's they're looking those kids are distracted is not the right word but They have no other option but to play town, play club, play the sport. When you get to high school, you can play high school. So our stuff should be in addition to that in high school, where below it, it's really the only thing, opportunity they've got. So there's more kids, there's more opportunities. Plus, there's more, for baseball, there's more more, um, 60-foot diamonds than there is 90-foot diamonds to play on. It's much harder to find a field that's 90 foot compared to a little league field. And so there's just more opportunity for the younger kids to play. And that's where really where our market is. What did you see in the market in New England that you thought that 
there was a need or an opportunity for three-step? Was it the organization between clubs was not good? The scheduling was a mess? Or was there a lot of like inner league play going on? And you said, hey, let's expand this. There's a bigger world out there. Yeah, I don't know if I put that much thought into it. I'd be giving myself too much credit. I think we kind of fell into it. Remember, everybody says to me, why are you, why did you start in baseball and field hockey and, and um, for a three-step? Well, those are the two sports my kids played. <laughs> so it was easy, right? So you knew everybody in field hockey. You knew everybody in baseball. So it was an easy entry point. I coached. My kids played. We knew a lot of people. I think once we got into it, it was the league. There just wasn't enough organization in umpires, fields, scheduling, and stuff like that. This is well before the internet, but nothing against AAU. But I used to go down and sit in Danvers and sit there and do manually manual schedules for our AAU baseball team. And it was painful. Well, hey, do you want to play this weekend? Do you want to play this weekend? Do you want to do this? All we've done is consolidate. And you made a comment about some people said it actually got a little bit cheaper. It has because what we've done is we don't make any money on the league, right? We need a place for our teams to play, other play places for theirs. So you get capped. Um, don't quote me on this, but I think after the first six, uh, eight teams, you don't pay for a team entry fee after that, right? We're just making sure we're covering everything we need to cover. So I think the biggest gap opportunity we saw to help New England baseball was the league. It wasn't really, oh, these clubs are doing anything wrong or better or this. That was just kind of natural came out of our lives. The uh, the weather up here stinks. And the reason the reason I bring that up is because I feel like maybe even compared to other parts of the of the of the country, which of course I know that you've pulled plenty of events in where the weather is better, especially from a baseball standpoint, maybe they're playing high school baseball in January and February outdoors and maybe their seasons are going four or five months how much did that play a part of it in terms of trying to provide younger kids again beyond high school but even at the youth levels when little league's over when little league's not going on did you see an opportunity there because of the fact that going outdoors out here only lasts for so many months if you're focusing on the spring you're able to kind of fill that void in the other months as opposed to other states that have those those better opportunities maybe yeah, and we've looked at it. If you look at three-step as a whole and how big we are, we're much bigger in volleyball, soccer, and lacrosse, basketball than we are in baseball. It's because we have a New England business model for baseball because you got to go inside and you can only play this amount of time. There's only this much cage space. There's only this many fields. We don't have, well, fields like North Carolina does and can play the, that different way. So we're doing the best we can with what we've got and trying to give these kids a spot to get drills done, hitting, pitching, fielding, whatever it may be during the winter, and then be ready for them in the spring, whenever spring comes, whether it's March 1st or May 1st. Dave, just to follow up on that, do you think that there is a possibility or an entry in opening there for an indoor baseball league of any kind? Due to the fact that, of course, like you said, a lot of the a lot of the programming, especially in the off season, is geared towards inside. Do you think that's something that could be feasible? Yeah, the problem is, is a venue. You guys are younger than me, but if you think back, probably fifteen years over on Route One, I think it's the Route One Sportsplex now. They used to have dirt fields at them, and you played and you hit it into the outfield, and it's great. So, 
little league softball, you could probably get away with it. It really has to do with venue. I think there's plenty of people that want to play. I mean, we've done softball leagues and that. How far can you, what field configuration can you play with inside that allows you to do it? The only one that I can think of that's even close is the Hampshire Dome up in New Hampshire. And depending on which way you're facing, the left field line might be 100 feet and the other one might be 400 feet. But it would be fantastic. I mean, the biggest problem in youth sports, period, is there's no place to play. There's just not enough fields or courts. Why don't we take a break here? More with Dave Geeslin with Three Step Sports up next. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England baseball? New England Baseball Journal and BaseballJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England baseball scene. Have every issue of New England Baseball Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to BaseballJournal.com to receive baseball coverage on clubs, college commits, prep and high school, Division 1, 2, and 3 colleges, showcases, rankings, and much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by going to BaseballJournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Baseball Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful. You mentioned staffing games with umpires or and and this is it's, apparently it goes across all sports where there's an umpire officiating crisis which a lot of people credit to parents kind of abusing the the either volunteers or these hourly employees who are coming and just trying to help the kids get these competitions off what is it like from your perspective to see that officiating crisis across all sports and do you, because you have 64% of your participants are below the age of high school, do the parents have more of a perspective at that level? I think they might be worse. I really think they might be worse. It is, I don't know if the word is an embarrassment, a travesty, but whatever it is, is it's a problem. It's, and again, you want, you say the word parents and it's like every parent and that's not true. There's more people treating officials worse than they ever have coming out of COVID in my opinion. And I would love to know why you would think it would be the other way after everything we've been through and not able to play parents, certain parents, I'm not going parents all the way. Certain parents are just out of control. These people are doing their jobs. These officials, they're getting paid. They show up, they're qualified. They've done everything. That doesn't mean you can abuse them. 
yell at them, treat them any different way. It is a problem. And if parents continue along this, we're going to continue to have a bigger shortage of officials in every sport across the country. It's just New England. It's just baseball. It's parents are worse to officials since COVID. It's awful. Dave, you alluded to it in terms of the lack of facilities or not enough places to play. I don't think people understand the demand that is out there to participate in games and tournaments from from youth sports teams, maybe if you're from the outside. Can you just speak to that effect? Because again, I don't think people understand and realize the amount of teams that you would love to be able to have play in your events, but you can't, you simply just can't get them in because there's not enough space. We in New England probably take in all sports about 30% of all the kids that try out. We can't get enough programming for the kids that come to our programs in all sports because there's no place to whether it's basketball, how many times you can practice, fields, soccer fields, lacrosse fields, field hockey, baseball, everything. There's not enough space. And the problem is it's the high schools. Club teams, town teams, everything. Nobody has access to the high school fields and the middle school fields that we had years ago. And it's just putting more and more pressure on the private facilities to do as much as they can. I mean, we ha- we now manage the property out at NEBC, and that's it's fantastic, but it's not enough. There's just not enough courts or fields to support the need for anything. Now you say, oh, there's big venues. Sure, there's big venues in Florida and North Carolina, things like that. I'm talking about daily practices, daily play, things like that. I mean, we spend tens of millions of dollars a year renting courts of fields and i can't get them and we are telling kids they play within our programs because we don't have enough room to give them quality time to probably a practice number one biggest problem wouldn't it make sense to rather than spend tens of millions a year to buy a com or to build a complex so that you could Offer more space? We'd love to, but, you know, if I want to buy a building in, and we own buildings around the country and sports facilities, but in Louisiana and Tennessee and Midwest and the South, I can buy a court, 10 court facility. But then if I want to do that in New England or the Mid-Atlantic where everything's more expensive, it's 10 times the price if I could even find it. Hmm. So sometimes it's not even about the money. It's just about the opportunity. I mean, think about it this way. Outside of NEBC, just talk baseball, any at a college, at a high school, at a municipal or a private facility, where can you find more than four baseball fields? Turf. You're going to Diamond Nation in Flemington, New Jersey, or you're going to Baseball Heaven in Long Island. Okay. Every people live in New England, and we got to go all the way there to find more than four people. You mentioned you mentioned the relationship with the with the middle schools and high schools in that respect, in terms of how they won't provide their fields or the town. Ta- maybe not even the high schools and middle schools, the towns the recreation departments won't provide access to them. And I feel like take hockey out of it because I feel like hockey is is kind of an exception. But 
I feel like I, I haven't seen, and I've covered high school sports now for eight years and, and covered thousands of games or been to thousands of games. I don't know a lot of high school sports athletes that are choosing to play club sports as a substitute for their school sports. They play them in tandem with one another. Right. So they play yep. baseball in the spring, club sports in the summer. What is the animosity? Why does it exist? And what can be done to kind of smooth it over, I guess, um, so that these towns understand that all that's trying to be done here is to provide more opportunities for kids to get involved in extracurriculars. I think, I don't think it's animosity. I think it's lack of business sense, maybe, or ability. So you take any high school, XYZ high school, when they've got four turf fields, they have to go into the rental business. Somebody has to rent it out. Got to get insured. Somebody's got to maintain it, do all these different things. These schools only have so much resource to take care of the fields and everything they've got to just get the high school kids on. They would have to staff up. They'd have to turn it into a rental business. And I just, the the resources or the incentive must not be there for them to do it. It's hard to place blame on them. It's the system. I don't, I wouldn't say and go, yeah, it's the AD's fault. No, it's not the AD's fault. They got plenty of stuff to do. They don't have time or resource to say, I should put a business plan together and rent out my field and blah, blah, blah. It ends up, unfortunately, not being worth their time, right? And then COVID made it worse. So are you letting everybody in? They're in the gym. They're this. It's it's a lot of work. It's not just snap your fingers and let the kids play in the field. And it's just not happening. One of the things you've been seeing more around baseball fields at the higher levels, whether it be perfect game events, PBR, the Cape this summer, and the high school baseball. There's a lot of streaming services now. Is that anything that Three Step has the ability to offer, or is that something that would be in the plans for the future? Yeah, we have it. We own um, a couple video companies, First Scout and Next Level Video, and we do the majority of our own filming outside we call it rectangle sports, lacrosse, field hockey, soccer, on turf. So we we video all around the country. We third party out most everything that's inside to companies like LiveBarn or Baller TV or Synergy, just because we don't have the capabilities to staff that big. It's easier in a like a good company is LiveBarn, and they're in a lot of hockey facilities. So when it's a fixed facility and you can put a camera up in each end each end or on the side somebody after the installation then you can flip on a camera it's harder in baseball for all us parents and to sit there and watch it and game changers a nice app but put your camera up on the back you can see the catcher and the pitcher and maybe <laughs> the infielders i go back again i'm old when my son played out at cooperstown all-star village i paid seven dollars a game to watch the streaming and I couldn't even see the picture. Right. Yeah. You can see him run, run down the first baseline and that's about it. Yeah. And streaming's streaming's fine. But my theory is anybody, the majority of people that want to go watch youth and high school sports are going. Yeah. Right. I don't know how much it is. We see more demand for video on demand. So after the game is played, Parents want to go back in and watch it. You want to show it to the grandparents. The kids want to watch it. Things like that. Because I'd rather watch a high school game in any sport than a pro game in any sport. 
So go for the experience of watching it. Then people want to come home and on demand to get it. We see streaming as a declining business since COVID. Kind of really ramped up and then it's starting to tail off a little. Hmm. The company's grown so much in the last two years, specifically since the beginning of, of 2020. But I'm curious, as you look forward, kind of down the line, what are some of your goals for the organ- for, for the company? And what are some things that you're hoping to kind of, you've, you've certainly ventured into a number of different areas, but what are some things that you're hoping to get involved with or even shore up in the co- next couple of years? Yeah, so we're, we're in nine sports now. We've talked about baseball a lot. Kind of got a stranglehold on everything, and that's not a negative statement. They're just big, so it's hard to grow against them. So we are continuing to grow in all sports, volleyball, soccer, lacrosse. We're the largest in the country, basketball by far. I think you'll see us expand those sports into other states and areas, but you'll also see us enter ice hockey, swimming, golf, two or three other sports over the next couple of years while building up what we do have around us. So I'm trying to get, get let's get to 12 sports and uh, as many states as possible for events. In terms of the challenges in New England, you had obviously the weather, the field, the umpires. Are there any other challenges that have kind of slowed down maybe your vision of what what youth baseball should be in New England? No, no, I don't think so. Um, those are the challenges, and uh, we face those pretty much everywhere around the country. But no, I think the enthusiasm's there. The just across all sports, parents and kids just want to play. We have more problems keeping up with the demand than we do creating demand. What about from a international standpoint? You mentioned trying to reach as many states as possible. I don't know if you have if there are any events in Hawaii, but I'm sure that's got to be on the on the bucket list, if not. But in, ter- in terms of beyond there, there's certainly there's been so many books written, and even on the baseball side of things, of course, and uh, mostly focused on Japan. But across the board, in terms of an appetite around the world, not just for baseball, but for all sports, is that something that you could see? You know, ten, fifteen, even far down the line, a possible venture if it's crossed your mind. Yeah, I think it'll be sooner than that. It'll be events. We've had discussions and really in football and basketball are the two places that really are. We can take the two sports international. Prior to COVID for a number of years, we ran football camps in Europe for the NFL and for Under Armour and they went great. They have not come back since COVID. So we haven't done anything there. And yes, we absolutely always get in one Hawaii event. In terms of the apparel, you mentioned you guys are kind of taking the lead on that. Is there is there money to be made for the actual leagues in terms of apparel or like how does that arrangement work? Not so much when any if you buy it right, we it's a big a huge money maker by any means, but it's also a big pain point for programs in all sports and parents. Mm-hmm. So we've got a pretty good size apparel division that services all of our operators and a lot of colleges and other operators that even we don't own around the country and it's so we can try and take as much pain out of the process as possible by controlling the service but 
tough business to make money in, that's for sure. So we look at it as what we would call a shared service. It's just something that needs to be done. So let's let's do it on our own. So if it goes wrong, we're the only one to blame. I feel like one of the really prevalent negative connotations that surrounds, I'm just, again, focusing on the club baseball side of things, is this idea that like these players are being prodded out there by their parents, like they're as if they're like servants or something. And that the, the kids themselves are not enjoying the games that they're playing or having a good time with their teammates. I go to a Julian travel baseball games a year, obviously. And I see it, the kids are loving it. The kids enjoy the programs that they're playing with, by and large. The kids enjoy the coaches they're being coached by. They're forming new relationships. I feel like, can you talk about the importance, I feel like, for people that maybe don't understand and just have this sort of blanket view of, of that everything involved stinks, that maybe going to an actual event would be helpful <laughs> to see? for their own eyes that, that the kids are actually enjoying the, the club sports that they're a part of. I think, and let's just take club out of it. Just how about kids are enjoying sports. So yeah, no, let's just go to high school for a second. A kid that plays a high school sport spends more hours in the day with their coach than they do with any one teacher. Right. So they've got hour of math, five days a week, five hours of spending with their math teacher. They spend five hours with their coach in two days, right? So people hope, look at it as opportunity for just kids to get out there and deal with other kids and learn from things. We say when we look at employees here, we love former college athletes and people say, why? And it's like, well, they're used to travel. They're used to changing schedule, balancing school and sports. They're used to good teammates, bad teammates, good coaches, bad coaches. They've experienced more things that are real life in sports than they are in other things. So the hope is that, again, was I a crazy parent at times? I'm sure I was. I'm hopefully looking at it in a different light now. And I think that's what makes us unique is we actually look at it from a parent's standpoint in everything we do because the parent really is our client because they got to make the decision for the kids. But gotta, if I can give any advice to parents is fortunately we see college football and college basketball on TV all day long. That's not reality. There's not hundred percent scholarships and all this free money out there for all these kids. It's for a select few of really good athletes. If somebody asked me the other day, what's the best advice you can give a parent thinking of sports and getting a kid into colleges, it just should be another thing on their resume. If you are a great athlete, a good student, it might get you into a great school. So use it as an opportunity to go there. Fortunately, with what we see on TV, parents think of it as a financial way. So let me spend all this money doing this because I'm going to get a scholarship. Look at the percentages. Let's, let's let's enjoy it all the way through because it does end. Dave, the, the last thing I want to ask you is just in terms of the multiple sports component that that I feel like now is so prevalent, especially at the at the youth levels. I don't know if they, to, if this question makes sense, but could you see in the future coordination between club sport across the twelve that you hope to have, kind of working coordination with one another, where Tyler plays ba- baseball and that's baseball organization has. A- relationship with its club with club soccer program that's also owned by the company and the and and 
be able to kind of streamline and, and help the kids experience and those families experiences that way. Uh, I, I don't know the exact number. Last time I looked, 36% of the kids in our clubs, on our events, just in our clubs, play two sports within our clubs. So it's, it's already happening. And if you take it to families, it's really that way. We should hopefully have baseball, softball, field hockey, lacrosse, soccer for the whole family of family of three and four. And you got to have all that different programming out there for these, for the parents, for the kids. Well, Dave, this has been great to catch up. And uh, I like your point on these parents need to kind of settle down coming out of this pandemic. I, I remember in the NBA that was happening. They were throwing like bottles of water at players coming off the floor and everybody was like, hey, it's not a pandemic anymore. These are real people. Let's let's act appropriately. So that's an important message for parents when they're at games and they want to get on the umpires. But thanks so much for joining us. Let me give you one more set on there. Yeah. Tell parents, parents should be thinking about this. Would you rather stand six feet apart on a piece of tape during COVID and watch your kid play with a mask on? Or would you rather behave yourself during a game with lots of people around? Yeah. What I'd rather they had a lot of built-up frustration, I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks to 3-Step CEO David Geeslin for joining us on the Base Path Podcast. Rate, review, subscribe to the Base Path Podcast on your preferred platform. Thanks to our producer, David Yaz. The Base Path Podcast is a Siemens Media production. Yeah.